hope and pray that everyone had a good week. You were able to accomplish all that needed to get accomplished. And this morning, really, we come to prepare ourselves for the upcoming week. Amen. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 11. Now, Hebrews chapter 11 is commonly referred to as the Hall of Faith chapter. That's what we like to refer to Hebrews chapter 11. It's a very important, it's a very inspiring, and it's a very informative chapter found in the Bible. In this chapter, Hebrews chapter 11, the author mentions 16 Old Testament Bible characters by name, and he really mentions and describes what they were able to endure and what they were able to accomplish because of their faith in God. These Bible characters are known as the Hall of Faith. That's what we like to refer to these 16 Bible characters found in Hebrews chapter 11. The the Hall of Faith, you might say they are the champions of the faith whose lives and whose testimonies serve as such a great example, encouragement, and exhortation to all believers. Really, these Hall of Faithers, whom I like to call, they they really encourage us. They motivate us through their lives and through their testimonies to continue to fight the good fight and continue to run the race of the faith. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, the author refers to these Bible characters as the great cloud of witnesses. And this is the whole idea behind it. Think of a stadium that is filled with audience, with people up to the clouds. And within the stadium, you have racers, runners running a race, and the audience is, is cheering them on, is encouraging them. It's, they're, 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 they're motivating them to finish the race. And that's really what these Bible characters here in Hebrews chapter 11 do through their lives and through their testimonies. They encourage us. They motivate us. They cheer us on to run the race and not only to run, but to endure and to finish the race and to obtain the prize. You know, we can learn so much from the hall of faith here in Hebrews chapter 11, and we can receive so much encouragement from their testimony. I like to look at these Bible characters as the champions of the faith, as those who endured, as those who persevered, who kept the faith, and they were able to 
obtain the prize. And as a believer, man, it's so important that we learn from them. It's so important that we learn from those who go before us and receive encouragement from their testimony. You know, God has really recorded the lives of these men and women for a purpose. All those Old Testament stories and all those Bible characters, God has chosen to record their life for a purpose. And really the the purpose is that God desires that we would learn from them and be encouraged by their faith. And here in Hebrews chapter 11, the author, he selects a few of these champions in order that we might learn from them, in order that we might be encouraged by their testimony. And really what he does is he defines faith, defines what it means to have faith in God, not by words, but by the actions of these Old Testament saints. You know, it's so much easier to learn something if you see it in action. If you have an illustration, you might say. And that's what the author does here in Hebrews chapter 11. He really wants to define faith and really show us what it means to have faith in God. But he does it through the lives and testimonies of these Old Testament saints. And we can learn so much from them. And and I've decided to study with you five members of the Hall of Faith. And this is what I want to do. For the entire month of June, we're going to each Sunday select one of these members and we're going to study their lives and their testimonies. Now, the author mentions 16, and so we can't study all 16, but I've selected five that really have impacted my life personally, and I want to take the time to study them with you. And my desire is really threefold, that we would first receive encouragement from these champions of the faith. Secondly, that we would receive instruction, that they would teach us something through their lives. And thirdly, that we would receive correction, that through their testimonies and life, that the Lord would correct us mold us and shape us into the persons and the saints that he desires for us to be. And so for the next month, we're going to be studying the hall of faith. And my desire is that we would be encouraged, instructed, corrected, and that we would be able to follow in their example. And one day, by the grace of God, we would be able to join their company because one day by the grace of God I pray and hope that I would be a member of the hall of faith but I still have 
a lot to do and a lot to go. But that's why I'm here this morning. And so this morning, the, the, the first member that we're going to study and examine in the Hall of Faith is an individual whom the Bible refers to as Enoch. This morning, we're going to examine the testimony of Enoch. And I'm excited about our study this morning because Enoch is a very special, unique, and somewhat mysterious character of the Bible. I was sharing with my wife this week that this Sunday I'm going to talk about Enoch. And she said, how is that possible? I said, what, what do you mean? She said, well, the, the Bible only tells us a few things about his life. How are you going to share about him for one hour? I said, by the grace of God, I'm going to share. And so the Bible is a little mysterious about Enoch. But if you pay attention closely, you can learn so much about his life. So let's begin in verse 5, Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to read to verse 6. And this is what the author says. He says, by faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Verse six, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder to those who diligently seek him. Amen. So the first member of the Hall of Faith that we want to examine is the life and testimony of Enoch. Now, like I said a moment ago, Enoch is a very interesting and he's somewhat of a mysterious character in the Bible. If you're familiar with Enoch, you know that the Bible only mentions him three times in the book of Genesis here in Hebrews and in a few verses in the epistle of Jude. So Enoch is somewhat of a mysterious character. We don't know too much about him, but he's a very interesting character from what we know. And one thing that makes Enoch such an interesting character in the Bible is that the Bible teaches us that Enoch never experienced death. Enoch never died, but God took him. God transported him, or we like to use the word translated, him to heaven alive. You know, Enoch, he's only one of two Bible characters who was mentioned that did not experience death. The Bible teaches us that Enoch never experienced death. And the Bible also teaches us that the prophet Elijah never experienced death. There in 2 Kings 
chapter 2, verse 11. And so Enoch is such a, an interesting character because he never died. He never experienced death. The, the author tells us here in Hebrews that by faith, Enoch was taken so that he did not see death. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. And so by faith, Enoch pleased God. And by faith, Enoch was taken by God. And that's really summarizes all we know about Enoch. And he's a, a fascinating character. And really the, the first time he is mentioned in the Bible and the only time in the Old Testament is Genesis chapter 5. And this morning, I want you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 5. And I want us to learn a, a little bit more about Enoch, this champion of the faith, who we are told pleased God and was taken by God. Really, just for you can be a, a little more familiar with Enoch, the Bible teaches us that there was only two people who never experienced death, Enoch and Elijah. And the Bible teaches us that there was only two people who pleased God. I'm sure there was more, but the Bible only records two in those terms, Enoch and the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Enoch is a very special, a very interesting character of the Bible. And here in Genesis chapter 5, we are first introduced to him and we learn a little bit more about his life. And we learn really what he is known for. Let me just briefly share with you where we're at in Genesis chapter 5. Genesis Chapter 5, we, we like to refer to it like an, an obituary column in a local newspaper. You see, Genesis chapter 5, it's all about death. It records for us the death of eight separate individuals. As you read it, you learn that someone lived, someone had children, and then they die. And over and over you hear that term. He died. He died. He died. That's really what Genesis chapter 5 is all about. And really the chapter. This is interesting. It proves God to be true. And Satan to be a liar. You see in the garden of Eden. God told Adam and Eve that they can eat freely of any tree in the garden. But if they eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil in that day, they will surely die. God told Adam and Eve, you can eat any tree. But if you eat this particular tree on that day, you will die. But. When Satan tempted Eve, the first thing Satan told Eve 
is he said, you will not surely die. God said, you will die. Satan said, no, God was mistaken. You will not surely die. And we all know the story. Adam and Eve disobeyed, ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And a few chapters later, in chapter 5, what do we read? He died. He died. He died. Satan is the father of lies. And he's always trying to deceive people in thinking that sin does not have consequences. You know, in Revelations chapter 12, when John is given a vision of the dragon, Satan, John tells us that Satan deceives the world. And that's one of his main instruments of destruction, deception, deception in distraction. Satan wants to deceive people in thinking that sin does not produce death. But he wants people to think that sin produces life. And that's the deception that he used at the beginning in the garden and still that he uses today. That sin doesn't have consequences. That disobeying God does not have consequences. That's what Satan wants us to believe. But the word of God cannot be broken. And the scriptures teach us that the wages of sin is death. And that's what we see in Genesis chapter 5. We see the wages of sin. We see the consequences of Adam and Eve's disobedience in the garden. Over and over, we read that someone lived, someone had children, they lived some more, and then they eventually died because of the disobedience by Adam and Eve. And so in Genesis chapter 5, we have a list of death. You might say it's an obituary column there in the book of Genesis. But as you continue to read the chapter, and as you get to verse 21, the seventh from Adam, we find that there was one exception. There was one exception to this roll call of death. There was one exception of someone who did not die. And I want us to read it together in Genesis chapter 5, verse 21. And if you're with me this morning, what if you let me know by saying, amen, amen, a few of us. All of us. Verse 21, Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. Very interesting name, Methuselah. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 
300 years. It had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. And so in verse 21, we're introduced to this character that we learn about in Hebrews chapter 11. This man by the name of Enoch. But Genesis tells us a little more information about his life. It tells us that Enoch walked with God for 300 years. Then God took him. 300 years, Enoch walked with God faithfully, loyally. Then at the age of 365, which was young for that time, in all actuality, Enoch was a teenager at 365. His son, Methuselah, he lived for 969 years. And so Enoch was a youngster when he died. He was barely entering high school. But at the age of 365, after walking with the Lord for 300 years, God took him. God raptured Enoch into his very presence. Enoch did not experience death. And when I read those few verses, I think to myself, wow, what a story. What, what, what a life. What a testimony. But this morning, I guess the question is, what can we learn from it? We have these few verses. We learn about this great man of faith who walked with God for 300 years. And then the Lord took him into his very presence. Powerful testimony. Interesting story. But the question is, what could we learn from it? What does Enoch teach us? What encouragement can we receive from this champion of the faith? Well, this morning, by the grace of God, I, I want to share with you, or I want to mention Four things concerning the life and testimony of Enoch. Four things that I learn about Enoch and that I see in his life. And so if you're taking notes, which I hope all of you are, if not, start next Sunday. <laughs> Let's look at the first point. This is the first thing we learn, Enoch's surrounding. That's the first thing we see concerning Enoch is his surrounding. Let me explain. If you read Genesis chapter 4, and if you read Genesis chapter 6, you would learn that the surrounding and that the world that Enoch lived in was really not much different than the world we live in. Really, Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, shares with us a good summary 
of Enoch's surrounding. We read, then the Lord saw that the wickedest wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So the Bible teaches us that Enoch, like us, lived in very, very wicked times, very, very corrupt and sinful surroundings. Genesis chapter four teaches us that during Enoch's time, mankind was greatly advancing in technology, in music, in art, in science, in culture, in engineering. They were having, you might say, uh, industrial revelation. Mankind was booming in all these advancements. But as they were advancing, sadly, they were leaving God out of the picture. And like today, they were trying to be satisfied and they were trying to be happy without God in their life. And that was the surroundings of Enoch. Enoch lived in corrupt, wicked, sinful times. Enoch lived in days where people did their own thing, where there was really no restraints on crime, where lawlessness flourished and immorality was accepted. The world was becoming more civilized, yes, but as they were becoming more civilized, sadly, they also were becoming more godlessness and more immoral and more violent. And that was the world that Enoch lived in. That was his surrounding, a a world that was heading towards destruction and judgment, just like the world we live in today. I think it's safe to say, and I'm sure all of you would agree, that the world we live in today, it's evil. Man, it's dark. It's corrupt. Sin is increasing. Evil is abounding. Wickedness is spreading. And just like us, surrounded by evil, surrounded by darkness, surrounded by corruption, that's where Enoch was at. Enoch was living in godless times, wicked times, immoral times. He was living in the midst of gloom and doom. And that's the first thing we learn about Enoch. He is surrounding, similar to our surrounding. You might say that's what we have in common with Enoch. He lived in a sinful world. Yet, in the midst of that sinful world, in the midst of darkness, we learn that Enoch made a decision. And that's the second thing I want to mention 
concerning Enoch. Second thing, if you're taking notes, write this. Enoch's decision. First, Enoch's surrounding. Secondly, Enoch's decision. You see, as we read about Enoch, we learn that for the first 65 years of his life, he was no different than those who surrounded him. You might say, Enoch went along with the crowd, went along with the thoughts and the attitude of the people of his days. But we read that at the age of 65, something happened to Enoch. A change occurred and Enoch made a decision, a decision To no longer walk with the world, but to walk with God. And read with me verse 21 again. We read, Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. After he begot Methuselah, or after 65 years, Enoch walked with God 300 years. Something happened to Enoch when he had his son Methuselah. Something happened to him at the age of 65. He had an encounter with the living God. He had an encounter with the God of his forefathers, with the God of Seth, with the God of Abel, with the God of Adam and Enoch at the age of 65, he made a decision to walk with God, a decision that he would no longer walk in the ways of the world, no longer walk according to the spirit of the world, but he made a decision to walk with God. He made a decision that even in the midst of ungodly times, amongst ungodly men who performed ungodly deeds, that's all that surrounded Enoch. Ungodliness, immorality, wickedness, corruption, sin, evil. In the midst of that, Enoch chose to walk with God. What a testimony, what an encouragement, what a a story that in the midst of garbage, in the midst of darkness, in the midst of temptation, this champion of the faith chose to walk with God. He made a decision. He made a decision. And that's a testimony for us. That's something we can learn from Enoch. Because like Enoch, every day we need to make a decision to walk with God. Every day we need to make a conscious decision to detach ourselves from the world and to attach ourselves to the living God. Because like Enoch, 
Man, we're, we're living in ungodly times amongst ungodly men who perform ungodly deeds. But like Enoch, we can make the decision. We could choose not to walk in the same direction as the world, but to walk with God. We can make that decision. We can do it. Enoch did it. He is our example that in the midst of doom and in the midst of gloom, we can walk with God. We can be set apart. We can be different. We can be a bright light for Jesus Christ. And we can make the decision, listen to this, not to walk with the crowd, but to walk with the cross. We can make that decision. Not to walk with the crowd, not to go with the flow, not to head towards destruction like everyone else, but we can make the decision to go against the crowd and go the way of the cross to rebel against the culture to rebel against what everyone else is doing and we can take up our cross and walk with the Lord every single day. Enoch teaches me and Enoch teaches you that it's possible to walk with God in the midst of a corrupt world. That's what he's teaching us. That's what this champion of the faith is telling us through his testimony this morning. Templo Victoria, listen up. It's possible. It's possible to walk with God. I know times are evil. I know times are dark. I know sin is increasing and evil is abounding. But listen up, learn from my life. It is possible to walk with God in the midst of a corrupt world. It's possible. It's possible to walk with God in the midst of high school. For those who go to high school, it's possible. You can do it. God will give you the grace. God will give you the ability to dare to be a Daniel, to stand up for Jesus in the midst of a corrupt, fallen world. It's possible. Enoch did it. It's possible. It's possible to walk with God in the workplace. As you go to work, as you're surrounded by filthy jokes, by filthy language, by filthy magazines and conversations, it's possible. To walk with God in that dark environment. It's possible to take a stand for Jesus when you're all alone at home. And there the internet is in front of you, tempting you, trying to 
lure you in to see things, to hear things that are not honoring to God. It's possible to walk with God there at your home by yourself when no one is around. It's possible to walk with God. It's possible to purpose in your heart to take a stand for Jesus and to live with integrity, to live in purity and holiness. It's possible. Enoch walked with God. And because Enoch walked with God, I can walk with God. For my God never changes. Amen. It's possible. And and so the second thing we learn is about Enoch's walk. That in the midst of gloomy, sinful surroundings, Enoch made the decision to walk with God. Now, the third thing I I, I learned and the third thing I want to share concerning Enoch is concerning his walk. First, you wrote Enoch's surrounding. Second thing you wrote is Enoch's decision. The third thing I want you to write down, or the third thing I want you to pay attention to, is Enoch's walk. Let's talk a little bit about what exactly that meant. After making his decision to walk with God, Genesis tells us that Enoch walked with God for 300 years. And the first thing I think of when I read that is this. What a walk that must have been 300 years. That's just not a walk in the park one day, but that is a life. What a life walking with God fellowshipping with God, trusting, communing with God day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year. For 300 years, Enoch walked with God. And I want to share with you three things, what exactly that meant when we read that Enoch walked with God. Let's examine this for a moment. First, Enoch walked in the same direction as God. Enoch walked in the same direction as God. You see, when you walk with someone, and think a little bit about this with me, when you walk with someone, obviously, you have to go in the same direction they're going. I think we would all agree with that. If you walk with someone, you're walking with them in the same direction. And so when we read that Enoch walked with God, it means that Enoch walked in the same direction as God. Now the question is, what direction Is God going? And to answer that simply, God always moves in the direction that is against sin. God always moves 
in the direction that is opposite of this world. God is always moving in the direction of holiness, of holiness, for God is holy. Look at what Ephesians chapter 5 verse 8 says. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. Walk as children of the light. So what does it mean to walk with God? First, it means that you're walking in the same direction as God. You're walking as children of the light. And I would just say this on the side, as we walk with the Lord, we need to keep ourselves pure, we need to keep ourselves holy, and we need to keep ourselves righteous, blameless before God. Our Christian walk must be a reflection of God's character. How sad it is that people say, I walk with God. I know God, I serve God, but they're walking in the direction of this world. They're having fellowship with darkness, and yet they claim to walk with God. Don't let that be you, brother and sister. If you claim to walk with God, you are saying that you're walking in the same direction. As God, you're walking as children of the light. And so first, Enoch walked in the same direction as God. Let's look at point number two concerning Enoch's walk. Secondly, Enoch walked in step with God. Enoch walked in step with God. What does that mean? That simply means this. Enoch kept step. With God. That means that Enoch, he he didn't take one step with God one day and then waited six months to take another step and then waited six months to take another step. That's not what he did. That is not a walk. That's what we call paralysis, standing still. That's not a walk, but When we read that Enoch walked with God, it means that Enoch walked in step with God every single day. That every day, Enoch took a series of steps with God. I guess in basic, simple words, all I'm trying to say is this. Enoch was faithful in his walk with God. Enoch He never took a day off. There was never a day off. He never said to God, you know what, God, today I I sprained my ankle. I fell in the shower and my ankle is hurting. And so, Lord, today I can't walk with you, Lord. Come back tomorrow. I'll be ready. That's not what Enoch did. Every day he kept step with God. He was faithful in his walk with God. Ephesians 5.2 says this, and walk in love. 
as Christ also loved us in giving himself for us, in offering in a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. The Bible teaches us that as we walk with God, we need to walk in love and we need to walk in step with God. How many of you know that love has no vacations? Love has no vacations. And so as we walk with the Lord, we need to walk in love. What does that mean? That means we need to stay faithful, faithful every single day. Make Christ a center and priority of your life. As we walk with God, it means it's a daily walk. And we're keeping step with God that we're not ignoring him or neglecting him, but that we're keeping Step that we're staying faithful and we're walking with God every single day. Faith, endurance, perseverance, faithfulness, loyalty, discipline, dedication, commitment. That's what it means to walk with God. How sad it is that some only walk with God on Sundays. And Monday through Saturday, they walk with everyone else, but not with God. But that's not what Enoch did. 300 years faithfully walking with God every single day. And Enoch tells me, and he tells you, be faithful in your walk. Love has no vacation. Love has no day offs. And when we walk with God, we walk in love. Amen. Amen. Third, the third thing I I learn about Enoch's walk is this. First, Enoch walked in the same direction as God. Secondly, Enoch walked in step with God faithfully. And thirdly, Enoch walked in agreement with God, in agreement with God. Amos, the prophet, he said this in chapter 3, verse 3. Can two walk together unless they are agreed? Can two walk together unless they are agreed? And so when the Bible tells us, that Enoch walked with God, what does it mean? It means that he and God were in agreement. There was no conflict. There was no dispute. There was no controversy. But Enoch and God were in perfect agreement. Agreement about the way Enoch spent his time. Agreement about the way he spent his money. Agreement about the way he spent his energy, the way he treated his family, the way he treated his neighbors, his co-workers. Enoch was in agreement with God. There was no conflict. Listen to this. Enoch, 
He understood the will of God for his life. And Enoch agreed with it. He didn't dispute it. He didn't argue with God, but he understood God's will. And Enoch accepted it. And he agreed with it. And he walked in agreement with God. Ephesians chapter 5 verses 15 and 17 tells us this. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So Paul's telling us that as we walk with the Lord, we need to walk wisely. We need to walk in wisdom. We need to understand what the will of the Lord is for our lives. Do you guys want to know something? You know, sometimes throughout the weeks, I stay pretty busy. I'm not saying that to try to brag or anything, but, you know, things come up responsibilities, opportunities, and I stay pretty busy. And the truth is, I can't accept every invitation or take every opportunity that I'm approached with. I just have limited amount of time in the day, limited hours, limited, really, resources. And so every single day, As I walk with the Lord, one of the main things I want to know is what's his will? Lord, what is your will for my life? What do you want me to do this week? How do I spend my time, Lord? How do I spend my resources, Lord? What do I do with my life? You know, the worst thing that I think can happen is we walk through this world not knowing what the will of the Lord is for our lives. And we're walking around with no direction, with no guidance, kind of doing our own thing, hoping that it's going to work out for the best. But the Bible teaches us that we must not do that. We must not walk foolishly but we gotta walk in wisdom knowing and understanding what the will of the lord is and as we discover the lord's will in our lives and for our lives like enoch we have to agree with it and we need to walk in agreement recognize and understand that the best thing that can happen for your life is the will of God. That's the best thing. The will of God in your life, in your family, for your future. And like Enoch, we need to agree with it. I respect and admire Enoch because for 300 years, he agreed with God. He didn't dispute. He didn't argue. He didn't say, Lord, but I know best. 
Lord, but that's not what I want. Lord, come on. What are you trying to do to me? That's not what he did. But he said, Lord, I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to submit to your will because I agree. You know best. I agree, Lord. By faith, I'm trusting. I'm relying. I'm depending on you because you know best. And when he walked with God, he walked in agreement with God, knowing the will of God and accepting it for his life. And that's what we need to do, because the best thing that can happen to you is the will of the Lord. Amen. I want to be where the Lord wants me to be. And if I'm not there, I pray and ask that he would take me out of wherever I'm at and place me in his perfect will. And like what the Lord prayed, Father, not my will be done, but your will be done. Jesus, like Enoch, was in agreement with God. So we read that in the midst of a sinful world, Enoch, this champion of the faith, made a decision to walk with God. And he walked with God for 300 years. And to finish up, my fourth point, and we're going to close with this, we read that after 300 years, Enoch was rewarded. After 300 years walking with God, Enoch was rewarded. And that's the fourth point point of the study and so if you're writing notes the fourth thing and the last thing you will write is this Enoch's reward Enoch's reward the Bible teaches us that after walking with the Lord for 300 years Enoch was not for God took him just like that after 300 years God rewarded Enoch and God ushered Enoch into his presence. And really, as you continue to read the book of Genesis, you learn that before God poured out his judgment on an ungodly world, and we're going to talk about that next week, the flood. Before God poured out his judgment, he removed his servant Enoch from the world. Enoch was raptured. It's a picture of the church that before God pours out his wrath during the tribulation, like Enoch, God is going to remove the church. We are going to be raptured. We are going to be rewarded like Enoch. By faith, Enoch walked with God. He stayed faithful and he diligently sought the Lord. And at the end, Enoch, man, he was rewarded. And he wasn't rewarded with just any reward. But think about it. Enoch was rewarded with the very presence of God for all of eternity. What can you compare to?
to that. Can a car compare to heaven? Can a house? Can nice clothes or a fat bank account? Can you compare that to heaven? Can you compare that to an eternity in the presence of God? I think not. Nothing in this world can compare with Enoch's reward. And in closing, I want to say this. In the same way, like Enoch, by faith, as we walk with God, and as we seek God, one day, God is going to reward us with his presence. At the end of the day, we win. And we're rewarded with the glories of heaven. The presence of God for all of eternity. It's like we're we're journeying through this life. We're, We're walking with God every day. And it's hard. It's tough. There's trials. There's temptations. There's tears. There's heartaches. But at the end of the road, there's a reward waiting for us. Heaven. The glories of God. A a reward. There's a rainbow at the end of the road. And that very rainbow is the one that surrounds the throne of God that we read about in Revelations chapter 4. There's a reward to this walk. We're not walking with no hope. We're not walking with no hope in the future. But the truth is, we're walking towards the celestial city. And one day, God is going to reward us. And this morning, Enoch tells you and tells me this champion of the faith. This is what we learned. This is the encouragement, the lesson that we learned. Enoch tells you and me, it's possible. It's possible Walk with God. It's possible. Stay faithful. Stay loyal. Walk with God because in the end, it's going to be all worth it. The Lord Jesus said, behold, I am coming and my reward is with me. Family, on that great day, what reward are you going to receive? Are you going to receive a crown at the great judgment seat of Christ? Or for all of eternity, will you have no reward of what you did here on earth? Behold, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me. And Enoch tells you and tells me as we walk with God, in the midst of a corrupt and sinful world, as we stay faithful to God, one day we're going to be rewarded. And the Bible teaches us in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, we read it at the beginning, that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And this week, I say this, seek the Lord 
Walk with the Lord because you won't regret it. Be like Enoch. This week, be like Enoch. Learn from this champion of the faith. Apply what you learn this morning. Be like Enoch. Be faithful. Be committed. Be dedicated. And walk with God. Walk with God. This week, every single day, walk in love. Walk in light. Walk in wisdom. Walk with God. And it's just amazing because as you walk with God, there's a reward waiting for you at the end. But the truth is, that reward is waiting for you today. Because for all of eternity, we're rewarded with the presence of God. But today, we have access to that presence. And all you need to do is walk with God. Be like Enoch. Learn from this champion of the faith. And walk with God in the midst of a sinful, corrupt world. If he did it, we can do it. And by the grace of God, this week, we will do it.